Well, today I am actually going to finish up a series that I started four, actually five weeks ago. This will be week number four. Obviously, I told you a while ago I missed last week. So if you go back online to watch these, these will be out of order. You're going to see weeks one, two, and three, and then Pastor Brad, and then week four. But that's okay, because um, God is going to God is going to tie everything together today. But we've, we've been in this series called Walk This Way. Everybody say, Walk This Way. And it's a series on holiness. And I've told you over the course of, of these three or four weeks that, that holiness is not a scary word. I know a lot of times we maybe are a little leery of that, thinking that that's, oh, that, that's those weird people. You know, that's the, that's the holiness group. But really, holiness is God's way of living. It's, it's the way He wants us to live. So we've been looking at this series and we've been specifically in the book of Ephesians and we're studying these practices that the Apostle Paul is teaching us as believers that we should implement into our lives in order to live a holy life. We, we, he's talking about in, in Ephesians chapter uh, 1, 2, and 3, he talks about the calling of the church. Um, that we have been called by God. He has adopted us into His family. He has identified us as His own by sealing us with His Holy Spirit. Uh, we've been saved by grace. And Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3 is that our, our roots would grow down deep into God's love so that we would experience all that God has for us. And so chapters 1, 2, and 3 talk about our calling. We've been called. Everybody say calling. Then he gets into chapters 4, 5, and 6, and chapters 4, 5, and 6 are not about our calling. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are about our conduct. Everybody say conduct. <laughs> the way we behave, our, our practice. You could say it like this. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about our position. Our position in Christ. And, and the enemy cannot get in the way of our position in Christ. He's not, the devil's not even mentioned in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Because he can't stand in, 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 in the way of our position in Christ. So we have calling and conduct, and we have position and, and practice. Four, five, and six is about the lifestyle that we should practice. And that's where the enemy shows up. Because that's a struggle to walk it out. It's a struggle. That's why when you, when you read this, uh, you get into chapter number six, which we won't do in this series, but, but Paul talks about that's why you've got to be armed with the full armor of God. You've got to be ready to fight because the, the enemy's going to come against you and you've got to have your armor on. And my prayer is that as we have been discussing these um, practices that we need to implement into our lives, my prayer is that we would see areas of our own lives where we need to improve. And that we would make it our goal to improve in those areas, areas so that we can walk in holiness so that other people would, would see our good deeds and glorify God and, and see that we're children of God. Paul's whole message throughout this is that you're no longer who you used to be. You have a, you have a new life now. And that new life necessitates a new style. A new way of living. Are y'all with me? When we, were, when we didn't know God, we had a style. We, we, we had a certain behavior. But, but now that we know God, the, the, the old us has, has, has died. He's, he needs to be put away. We're no longer to live after our, our sinful nature. We should be living after the image of God created in Christ Jesus. We should, we should be living a life 
of holiness. And in our springboard text is Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1, and it says this. Let's read it together. It says, therefore, now I learned a long time ago that anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, it's there for a reason. So he begins chapter 4 by saying, therefore. In other words, in light of everything that I just told you, here's the way that you should live. In light of your calling, in light of your position in Christ Jesus, because you have been identified with Christ, here's the way that you should be living. He says, I beg of you to now walk worthy of your calling. Because you have been called by God. So Paul is saying, everything I did... Now, they didn't have chapters back then. I mean, the people who, who put the Bible together, they, they divided things up and spelled out the chapters. But, but, but Paul is saying, everything I just told you, in light of that, now you need to walk worthy of the way that you've been called. You need to walk in holiness. God has made you holy, now you need to walk holy. Now, let's read some of these practices that the Apostle Paul has given us so far. We've talked about these. Week number one, Ephesians chapter 4, verses... Verse 25 says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So here's the principle. He says, reject lying and promote speaking the truth. Not just lying as in flat out telling lies, but all forms of falsehood. Lying, manipulation, scheming, cheating, uh, over-exaggerating, uh, minimizing things, making things smaller than really what they are. Uh, pretending to be someone who you're not. Uh, all forms of that. Paul says you've got to reject that and you've got to promote speaking the truth. And then he tells us why. Because we're members one of another. We need one another. At the minimum, we should have a foundation of trust with one another. And then he gets into the second principle that we learned. Verse number 26, he says, Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The principle here is reject anger and keep short accounts. He says, don't let anger linger. Don't, don't, don't sit there and just let it boil and, and fester. You've got to keep short accounts. Because if you let it linger, he says, here's why. If you let it linger, you're going to give an opportunity for the devil to get a foothold in your life. And a lot of people don't even realize this, but the enemy is wreaking all sorts of havoc in your life because you're angry over, at, at someone. And you're, you haven't dealt with that correctly. And you've given the enemy a foothold. Then we got into the third principle, verse number 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The principle is this. Don't steal. Okay, But, it's, but this is kind of like the lying one. It, it's, it's more than just don't actually steal. Now, if you're stealing, like if you're taking things from people, stop that. That's not Christian-like. You need to repent, okay, and get saved. But he's not, just saying, uh, he's not just saying don't steal as in don't take things. He tells us uh, the, the next part of that is don't steal. He says, but rather work hard, do honest work. In other words, don't steal, work hard. So that, and this is the one that has hit me the hardest so far. He says, work, do honest work so that you may have something to give to people in need. In other words, the motivation for why we go to work, the motivation for why we get a paycheck should be, according to the Bible, should be to have something to give to those in need. 
Do I have an obligation to take care of my family? Absolutely. And the Bible says if I don't do that, then I'm worse than an unbeliever. However, if the money that I make never goes beyond my four walls, then I'm not following Christ. I don't have an understanding of what Christ has called me to do. You guys are quiet this morning. And then verse number 29, which is where we're going to spend the next three and a half hours. i got to make up for last week. I missed last week. Just kidding. Kind of. Verse 29. Here we go. Y'all ready for this one this week? Are y'all ready for this one this week? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But only such as is, look at this, good for building up as fits the occasion. And then here's the why. Remember I told you there's a why behind this. That it may give grace to those who hear. Yeah, this one's going to be tough. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pray here in a minute. God's going to give us grace to hear His Word today. But the principle is this. To reject destructive words and promote helpful words or encouraging words so that it gives grace to those who hear. So let's pray this morning that God is going to speak to us today. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, for Your Word. Lord, Your Word is, is what changes us. Your Word is life. Your Word brings health and healing. Your Word is medicine, Lord, to us. And so, Father, Lord, we, we need Your Word today, and specifically on this topic. God, I know that, God, that we all struggle in this area. We all could improve in this area. And I just pray, Lord, that You would give us grace to hear Your words, not my words this morning, but Your words, and that the anointing that breaks the yokes of bondage, Father Lord, would be upon this Word today, and that You would cause us all to be encouragers. You would cause us all, as we were singing a while ago, to be vessels that can communicate grace to people, that can encourage one another. Lord, let Your Word heal, let Your Word reconcile, let Your Word mend brokenheartedness this morning. Let Your Word do what it's set out to do, and we give You the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Some translations say, don't use foul language, or don't use unwholesome language. Now, uh, at first glance, just like the rest of the, the text that we have looked at over the course of the last three weeks, at first glance, it's easy to think that, that Paul is simply talking about cussing. <laughs> as a, as a, don't use foul language. Don't, don't use unwholesome speech. Well, he's talking about cussing. There. As a matter of fact, a lot of Christians will use this verse as proof that the Bible says that we shouldn't use cuss words. You know, it's, it, it's funny to think about now, uh, but I grew up at home and at church, and, and we, we had a whole word bank full of words that were off limits, that we weren't allowed to say. Those words were bad words. Those words were cuss words. Those words were evil. Like, you know, like the seven deadly sins in Proverbs, there were the seven cuss words that we, we had to stay away from. You know, you had the well, you had the A word, you had, the, you had the, the B word, you had the D word, you had the F word, you had the H word, you had the P word, and you had the S word. Those are seven. We, and we couldn't say any of those. We were limited, you know. Uh, they were evil. And people who said those words were evil. And we judged you. If you said those words, 
we knew you weren't a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, oh my word, he said the D word. I thought he was a Christian. We couldn't use those words. Those words were off limit. But, but what's ironic, and I didn't think about it then, but I think about it now. What's ironic is even though we couldn't use those words, we had euphemisms or, or uh, indirect expressions, other words that meant the exact same thing that we could say. You know, like, dang it. Okay? We couldn't say the D word, but we could say dang it. We, come on, y'all, y'all, I'm just trying to set the stage here. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't say, I'll just say, we couldn't say hell, but we could say heck. Heck no. You know, I mean, uh, we could say, that was okay. We could, yo, crap, that's another one. We couldn't, we couldn't, we, we couldn't say the S word, but we could say that. We couldn't call someone an a-hole. I know I'm getting very edgy this morning. I'm just trying to paint a picture. But we could say, we could call them a b-hole, you know. Really, we, we had, we had and, and there are more, but I'm going to stop there because this, I'm getting a little uncomfortable by even saying that. But, but we, had, we had substitute words, okay? We, we couldn't say the cuss words, but we could say those words, which, which really, if you think about it, they meant the exact same thing. Even though you couldn't say the, the real word, you could, the substitute words meant the exact same thing. And, and we, had, we learned not to use these certain words. We weren't allowed to listen to music that had profanity in it. I mean, if it had one bad way, if it had hell in it, mom said, Aunt, you can't listen to that. We weren't allowed to watch TV shows or movies, which I mean, you figured out there weren't many movies we could watch unless they were animated, and even those were you know, crossing the line these days. But, but we couldn't watch that if it had obscene language in it. We couldn't read books or, or you know, uh, listen to things or watch things if it had any sort of obscene language. But yet we could use these other words. But yet they weren't cuss words. But the truth is this, that unwholesome talk is more than, than, than four-letter words. Unwholesome talk is about more than just what we think is, is, is a cuss word. Unwholesome talk is more than just those seven evil words that I just listed out for you. Unwholesome talk is more than just about what we say to someone. Unwholesome talk also includes how we say things. For example, I can say something good to you, something nice, but if I say it with an ulterior motive, then it's sarcasm. And sarcasm is a form of unwholesome talk. Now listen, I, I know, I don't, honestly, I don't even want to talk about this one, okay? Because I'm going to just be honest. I'm, I'm going to just confess. I, I love me some sarcasm. I do. You can judge me if you want, but I love it. It's, you know, it's like, it's like God's natural, maybe it's not God's, it's like, it's like your body's natural response to stupidity. It just, it just happens. It's like, Sarcasm is like punching someone in the face, but with words. That's what it's like. It's just, it's, it's a way to insult the less intelligent without them realizing it. Sarcasm. You, you can say something nice, but with an ulterior motive, it's, it's, it's sarcasm. For, for example, let, let's just, let just help you out here. I mean, it, when someone does something stupid, you can say, wow, what a surprise. I mean, it can, it can be good. It can be good, 
but yet the way you're meaning behind it was sarcasm. Okay? You know, some, somebody, uh, you know, does something stupid, and you're like, way to go, Grace. I mean, good job. Yeah, you know, way to go. Here's my favorite one. Bless his heart. <laughs> Bless his heart. Bless him, Jesus. Bless him, Jesus. In other words, this guy is absolutely stupid. This guy is ignorant. Bless him. Bless him, Jesus. This is, this, it's sarcasm. And, and listen, listen, all joking aside, okay? All joking aside. Sarcasm is a form of bullying, ridicule, mockery, lying. It can be insulting, degrading, belittling. It can, it can foster insecurity and, and make someone feel discouraged or, or depressed or, or lonely or, or, or unloved. And the Apostle Paul is saying, this is, this is unwholesome speech. And it's got to stop. That, that, that's your old you. That's your old nature. But here's your new nature. He says, he says, I want you to use your words to build people up. I want you to use your words to encourage people. Your, your words, your mouth is a, is a tool that you can use to extend God's grace to help people, to encourage them, to help them see their potential, to help them see their purpose, to make them feel loved. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Now I know that, that, and don't get me wrong, I think we can have some fun. If you're good friends with somebody and you want to be sarcastic every now and then, I, I, there may be maybe some sort of grace for that as long as you know you're not crossing the line. But let's, it'd probably be a good practice just to maybe eliminate that. And I know this is going to be hard for me. But Paul's saying you've got you to gotta, you gotta eliminate that. It's, it's unwholesome talk. You know, gossip is also a form of unwholesome talk. And now, now you go, we have to keep this in context. Who is he writing to? Who's the Apostle Paul writing? He's writing to the church of Ephesus, which obviously, hopefully, are believers. So he's writing to believers. Now, now you would think that, that he wouldn't really have to, undre- to, to address unwholesome talk. And, 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 you know, we only have what's written down in the Bible, but, but my guess is, is that, you know, there were, there were probably a lot more that, that Paul could have said in these letters than just this right here. I'm sure that there was some gossiping going on. I know that's hard to believe because in church we don't really, we don't think about gossip. Actually, we don't recognize gossip for what it is. Because usually it's disguised as a prayer request. Some of you will get that in a minute. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Um, Pastor Scott, uh, we we really need to pray. Now, if your name's Cheryl, I I have no idea. But we really need to pray for Cheryl. She lost her job. She got fired from her job. Now, I don't know all the details, but I heard that she was taking money uh, from the register. And, uh, you know, this couldn't have come at a, at a worse time. You know, here it is, almost Christmas. And, uh, you know, she's got two boys at home. She's a single mom. I mean, her, her husband's in jail for writing hot checks. And, uh, and, and I just, we just need to pray for her because there's a good chance that this is so hard on her that, that she may go back to her old way of living. And I mean, she, had, she used to do drugs and she was into alcohol and prostitution. And we, we have we got to pray that she doesn't fall that low. Come on, th- that's, just, that's just an example, okay? See, to, to us, that's a prayer request, but really what that is is gossip. It, it's spreading rumors. And, and there's a good, rule of th- a good rule of thumb that I try to implement is that if the person that you are speaking about 
is not in the room where they can hear you, it's a good chance that it's probably gossip. And you shouldn't be saying it. And Paul is saying, that this is not you anymore. This is, this is not your style anymore. You've got to let that go. You need to use your mouth as, a, as an instrument to build people up. You've got to reject destructive words and promote helpful words. You know what I see when I read this right here? I see that you and I can control what comes out of our mouths. It, that's, it's within our power. And I know that some of you will say, well, you know, I, I don't know where that comes from. I can't help that. This, this eliminates that excuse. Paul is saying you've got to reject destructive words. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Instead, you need to use helpful words. In other words, it's within our control as to what comes out of our mouths. You can't use the excuse, I don't know where that came from. But even if you said that, I could say, I know where that come from. It come from your heart. Because Jesus tells us this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says, what you say flows from, where does it come from? It comes from what's in your heart. So you can't say, I have no idea where that come from. <gasps> I'm so, I've had people, you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm a preacher obviously. Um, but it's funny, people will cuss around me and then they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't, I don't know where that come from. Now, I don't just say, well, go look up Luke chapter 6, verse 45. I don't say that. I just, man, don't, you know, I'm not the one you got to answer to. But I can tell you where it comes from. It comes from your heart. What you say flows from your heart. In other words, our words are a good indication of what's going on in our heart. Your, your words reveal the condition of your heart, and your heart, as the Apostle Paul is teaching us, should be filled with, with love. We, we, should do, we should have acts of kindness and generosity to help people in need. We should have grace to extend to forgive people who's wronged us. We should speak the truth in love, and, and we should speak encouraging words. This is the message that Paul is communicating here in verse 29. Sure, we shouldn't use foul and abusive language. I mean, that, that's a no-brainer. And if you, if you have a problem cussing, you need, you need to work on that, really. Okay, Not just because you're a Christian, but, but really, that's, that's a bad reflection of your character. I mean, it's just, it's, you lose a lot of respect. Okay, and, I, and I'm not here to belittle anyone that uses curse words. I know, but, but I know that when people cuss, I, to me it's just like, eh, come on, man, come up with some other words. That's a, yeah, you can do better than that. But, but the Apostle Paul is not just telling us, okay, don't cuss here. Okay? He, he's not just telling us that. The point is not just to clean up our language. The point is to use our mouth as a means of grace. To use our words to build other people up. To use our words to encourage other people. Look at how the, the New Living Translation says it. Verse 29 again. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Look at this. Let everything you say. How many needs improvement in this area? I, I do. Let every, not just, not just what you say on Sunday, but let everything you say be good and helpful. Why? So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. In other words, man, this has really been hitting me hard. I've had not only a week to chew on this, but two weeks to chew on this. In other words, your words can be used to speak life to someone. You, you never know what type of hell that person that you have, have come in contact with has gone through in their life. Some of you are about to go out to restaurants right now, and you may get some poor service. 
You may have a waiter or, or a waitress that's just like, she's just not on top of her game today. But you better be careful because you don't know what type of hell that she's living in. You don't know what type of words were said to her before she went to work this morning. You don't know what her, her marriage is like. You don't know what her family situation is like. And the Apostle Paul is saying, you have an opportunity today to speak life into someone. You have an opportunity today to build someone up, to encourage someone with your words. He says you've got to reject destructive words and use helpful words. Your words have the opportunity this morning to give grace to someone. Your words have the opportunity to be a conduit of God's grace that God wants to minister to that waitress. He wants to minister to that person that you're coming in contact with. And He wants to use you as a conduit to let that grace flow. If spouses would embrace this, this principle, there'd be a lot less divorce in our world today. If parents would embrace this, this principle, there'd be a lot less children rebelling against them today. If, if churchgoers, which is all of us, would embrace this principle, there'd be a lot less church splits when personality conflicts arise. Paul says, use your mouth as an instrument of grace. You know, there's an old saying. Uh, I'm sure, I don't know if it's still around. I hadn't heard this in a while. But when I was a kid in school, there was an old saying. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Can I just say this? That is a lie. Not only will those words hurt you, but those words will crush your spirit. Words, words have the potential to make it feel like someone just ripped your heart out of your chest and threw it on the ground and stomped on it. I mean, words can make you feel depressed and discouraged and feel like that you're unloved and that, that nobody cares about you. In fact, you can affect to some degree the way a person's life goes by the words that you use on them. Here's how powerful they are. Proverbs 18.21, many of you know this, says that life and death... Proverbs 18.21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Just think about that for a second. Our words have the, have the potential for life to cause life and death in your tongue. Matter of fact, there's a lot that's written in the book of James about our tongue. How that we can, we can tame all sorts of of things we can, you know, we can we can make our bodies look good, but the hardest part to to tame and to master is the tongue. He says there's power there. Words carry power. Parents can build up or tear down their children with the words that they use. A husband can build up or tear down his wife with the words that he uses. And I just can I just stop right here for just a second. I I, I don't know if, if, if you're in this room or someone who'll watch this online later, but I, I just feel that there's a woman who needs to hear this. Maybe you are being spirit or, or verbally abused by your spouse. And you need to know today that no matter what he has said about you, that God loves you and that you are valued, that you are beautiful, that God loves you, that there's a purpose in your life. God has a plan for you. But words are powerful. They carry weight. I, I, know, I know, I know I have said things. I have used words and, and I have hurt my wife. I've hurt my children. It may be in the heat of a moment. You, you, you know, we, we don't really think sometimes when we speak. In the heat of the moment, you know, you just, 
You lash out and you say things that are hurtful. And it causes damage. And it hurts me to know that I have hurt people with my words, especially my family. Especially my wife. Especially my children. It hurts me to know that I have hurt them. And you know why it hurts me to know that I've hurt them? Because I know what it's like to be hurt by people's words. I have been hurt several times by people's words. People have said things about me and about my ministry. And I'll just say that and this is not a poor, poor, pitiful Scott message by no means, but man, you, you want to be hurt by people's words? Get in ministry. <laughs> people have said things about me and about this church that are not true. They, they've spread things. And, and it hurt, I'm telling you, it hurts. I, I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like, that doesn't faze me. I mean, I wish I was that strong, John, but that, it bothers me. It hurts me. I've gone through valleys in, in my ministry. There have been times I've been so discouraged and so depressed. Many times I've talked to my wife and she's talked me out of it. Thanks, thank God for that. But there's been many times I've talked to her about, you know, I just want to quit. I, don't want, I want to go do something. I want to go work in a factory somewhere and not have any, you know, have to deal with all this. Just, just eight to five. Here's what I do I, all day long. I, I don't want to deal with this, this stress. It hurts. And it hurts me to know that I have hurt other people, but I'm telling you this morning that words carry weight. They're very powerful. They can be used to tear people down or, or they can be used to build people up. John, why will you come here for a second, please? I, I hardly ever do this. Y'all, y'all know me. I don't know if I've... Come up here for a second, buddy. I don't know if I've called anybody on stage for a long time. But I, I've called him up this morning because this is one of the most encouraging people that I know. One of the most, one of the most encouraging people in my life. And I know I've really only known him maybe a couple of years now. There's been so many times you've spoken life into me and you didn't even know what I was dealing with. And just his words have brought life, have, have given me encouragement, have lifted me up, have made me say, I want to keep fighting. I want to keep going. I want to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep, I am doing this for a reason. God does have a plan in my life. God is touching people. God is speaking through me. Amen. And he is so, I know it's not only just me, but I, I know that he's encouraged so many other people in this room. He is an encourager. I'm not saying that he's perfect by no means, but, but God uses him. And I know he's battling things on his own. In his own personal life, he has battles. But yeah, he uses his words. He's like the Apostle Paul. This is what he's talking to me. He says, I want you to use this opportunity. John, you're going to come in contact with Scott Finley today, and I want you to use that as an opportunity to extend grace to him. You're going to see some people at the gym this week, and I want you to use that as an opportunity to speak life into them. You're going to see people at your workplace this week, and I want you to use that time as an opportunity to speak hope into them, to encourage them. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Thank you, my brother. This is what he's talking about, that we have the opportunity. I know it's very easy to be selfish. I know it's very easy to just kind of blow past someone. It's very easy to be standing in line at Walmart or at Lowe's or you name it and, and get frustrated. Maybe, maybe someone doesn't have it together that day on the register. 
Come on, these are real life applications. It's very easy to get mad and get angry. But the Apostle Paul is saying here to this, don't, don't use destructive words, but use helpful words. So that the people who hear those words will receive grace. So that they'll be encouraged. So that they'll be lifted up. As believers this morning, we have the opportunity to speak words that give grace and build people up. And that's what God is calling us to do. To lift people up with our words. To help people see their potential and their purpose. To encourage people with their words. To extend grace to people with words. This is a challenge, guys. Because I know when I'm insulted by people, when people say things about me, I want to retaliate. But 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and I'm going to close with this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. This is, not, this is not Paul writing. Paul speaks a lot about using our words to build people up, but so does Peter. He says this, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Remember, we're talking about holiness. Living the way that God wants us to live. Instead, oh man, Sometimes you just want to mark this out of your Bible. So when people insult you, don't, don't retaliate by insulting them. But instead, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And He will, watch this, here's what God's going to do for you when you speak a blessing into someone else. He's going to grant you His blessing. For the Scriptures say, watch this, if you want to enjoy life, how many want to enjoy life? And if you want to see many happy days, that's me, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. You know the Scripture that, that we're, it, we're more blessed when we give than when we receive. You know, a lot of times I think that the only context that we think about that is in, in the area of our finances. Why well, I want to give because it's more blessed to give. And it is, okay? But you know, you can take that principle and apply it across the board. That we're more blessed when we bless people with our words, when we're giving life with our words, when we're encouraging people with our words, when we're building people up with our words. Young people, I want to speak, I want to speak into your life. I, I, I don't know who it is, but I know that, that some of you some of you may struggle with comparison, not just with your own life to other people, but maybe your families. Maybe you look at somebody who has a wholesome family who's, who's got it together and mom and dad's got a good marriage and brothers and sisters get along. I mean, this is, it's, a, it's a great world. And you look at them and you may compare and think that, 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 that something's wrong and that, that you'll never be destined to do great things because these restrictions and limitations are on your life. I'm just here to tell you that God can use you in spite of circumstances. That God has a plan and a purpose for you. He's got a calling. You're not here by accident. And they need to hear that. Teachers. How many? Raise your hand if you're a teacher. Teachers in this room. You got an opportunity. I know that you deal with some brat, heathen <laughs> kids at school. But can I tell you this? And I know that some of you know this, but maybe you just need to be reassured today that, that you have an opportunity to speak life into those kids. You have no idea what they hear at home. You have no idea what their mom and dads are saying about them. 
You have no idea the circumstances that they're involved in. It's not any fault of their own. They were born into this situation and you have an opportunity to speak life and bring hope. This message is for all of us. All of us know people. We're going to go home to to desperate situations. We're going to go home to, to people who are moody. But you have an opportunity to be a mouthpiece today to extend God's grace. And I know that all of us can improve in this area. Speak life. Speak life. Got that from my buddy Toby Mack. Speak life. Your words are a reflection of what's going on in your heart. What are your words saying about your relationship with Jesus today? I want to pray for you this morning. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? (laughs) Heavenly Father, we come to you today and God, we are so thankful that we have your word to show us how to live. God, we're thankful that we have your word that teaches us what is truth. There are so many roads that we could follow in this world. God, there are so many people who are saying, this is the way to go. This is the way to go. You should do this. You should do that. God, but your word is truth. And it's life for those who will read your word and get it in our hearts. And Lord, I know that there's a lot of the things that are in your word that we just love and we just wrap our, our minds around and we, we, we are motivated by that and we can do that because it comes natural for us. And we stand on that word and we try to teach other people that word. But God, then we come to things like we've talked about today and really, of course, the last four weeks. And we see things that are contrary to our selfish nature. We see things that says that we should be motivated to go to work so that we can have so that we have a have something to give to other people. Lord, that, that doesn't come naturally. Lord, we, we learned today that that we should be using our mouths as a as an instrument to build people up and to encourage people. And Lord, that doesn't come naturally. And so God, we struggle with that and we balk at that and we have a tendency to resist that. But Lord, I pray that today that your word would fall on hearts on fertile ground that we would take a hold of this word and that starting right now not next week God but right now that when we walk out of this building God that we would be looking for people that we can encourage that we would be looking for someone that we can speak into their situation and bring life into them Lord there may be people who are on the verge of taking their own life of going home and ending it all because they're so depressed and so discouraged that you may put us in their pathway and we may have an opportunity, Lord, to speak hope into them. Speak life. God, I pray that we would be willing vessels to be used in that capacity. God, if there's anyone in this room today who does not know you as their Lord and Savior, who needs to repent and come home to the Father, I pray, Lord, that they would make that decision today. While everyone has their head bowed and their eyes closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. If you're in this room, I know this wasn't a message of salvation. Directly, indirectly, it's always a message of salvation. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Scott, I, I know that I have not been living my life 
in a way that's honoring God. And I need to repent today. And I need to confess Jesus as my Lord. I just want you to simply raise your hand and put it right back down. Is there one that's in this room? Praise God for that. I take it that we're all born again believers here today. And we're going to use our mouths as instruments to speak life today. Would you stand with me? Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this time together. Thank you so much, Lord, for our brothers and sisters. Lord, we are one body. Lord, all across this river valley, Lord, there are, there are congregations who are gathering today who, who, are, who are churches, but they represent the church, your church, Lord, your body. And I pray that all of us would be moved by this message, Lord, to, to not just come to church and, and hear a word and, and let it go in one ear and out the other, God, but we would grab a hold of what you've spoken to us today and that we would speak life. God, let husbands start speaking encouragement and hope to their, to their wives. Let wives start speaking encouraging words of, of hope and love to their husbands. Let parents begin to speak words of hope and encouragement to their children. God, I pray that we would go about this world this week, Lord, and we would accomplish your mission, that we would raise up disciples, that people would see your light in us, and they would glorify God. They would turn their lives to you and lift you up. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.